1: or an aspiring leader in the business of lifelong learning, you're in the right place. I'm Salisa Steele.
0: And I'm Jeff Cobb. And this is the Leading Learning Podcast.
1: Hello and welcome to episode 77 of the Leading Learning Podcast. In this episode, we talk with Rich Fanoff, CEO and Executive Director of the Association Executives of North Carolina, or AENC. This is the latest in our series of interviews with association CEOs, and we get Rich's perspective on leadership and the evolving role of associations, including, of course, their role in lifelong learning. Before we get to the interview, though, we want to take a moment to thank Castle, our sponsor for the second quarter of 2017. Castle is an accomplished full-services certification and licensure testing company that also offers its clients a variety of learning solutions capabilities. With an expert team of testing and instructional design professionals and a 30-year history of excellence in its field, Castle understands what it takes to develop and deliver quality learning and certification programs. To find out more about Castle's custom learning solutions, go to leadinglearning.com slash CASL. We also want to note that recordings from our recent learning technology design virtual conference are now available. We created that conference specifically for professionals in the business of continuing education and professional development, and you can get access to all of the great content delivered at the live online event by going to ltd.leadinglearning.com.
0: For our resource in this episode, we thought we'd highlight a tool that we covered during the Cool Tech Tool session at LTD, and that also, given that we have Castle as a sponsor for this quarter, is related to testing. So, we're highlighting Socrative, which is a quizzing tool that enables you to rapidly create relatively sophisticated assessments to track how learners perform, and you can use it to quickly assess learners with prepared activities that you've made before a classroom situation or to create assessments on the fly to get immediate insight into student understanding. And then if you're really on the ball as a facilitator or instructor, you can use auto-populated results to determine the best instructional approach to most effectively drive learning. And one thing we really like about Socrative is that you can create breakout rooms for different groups of learners. You can also do what they call space races, which are timed assessments that pit individuals or groups against each other. So all in all, it's a pretty sophisticated tool at a very affordable price. There's a free version you can get, and the pro version is only $49.95 per year. And you can find out about Socrative and and sign up for it at Socrative.com.
1: And so, Jeff, if I remember right, it was actually in the early days of AENC's annual technology conference that you started doing cool tools types sessions, and now we have AENC's annual tech conference coming up soon, And, and with that, you had the chance to talk with AENC's new CEO.
0: That's right. Uh, Rich is a, a new leader. He's been at AENC less than six months. and as a member of, of AENC, I, I began to notice pretty quickly that he was he was out to have an impact. So he's reached out, he's he surveyed members. he's held roundtables. Uh, he sends out what he calls his 60second updates on a regular basis. and these are you know short emails from him that really capture what's going on with the organization. And in general, he really piqued my interest both as an AENC member, but also in, in connection to our goal here on the podcast of interviewing association CEOs. And it's been a little while since our last CEO interview, and it's, it's been since episode number two of the podcast, unbelievably, uh, when we interviewed Cheryl Ronk of the Michigan Society of Association Executives, that we've interviewed the head of a state society. So we're overdue on, on both of those fronts.
1: Well, let's not uh, delay any longer. Let's go take a listen to what you and Rich have to say.
0: I'm Jeff Cobb, and this is the Leading Learning Podcast. In this episode, I'm talking with Rich Fanoff. Rich is the CEO and Executive Director of the Association Executives of North Carolina, or AENC. And I am an AENC member, so I'm thrilled to have Rich on the show today. Welcome, Rich.
2: Thank you, Jeff. It's great to be with you.
0: So I've just said a little bit about who you are, but maybe you could take a minute and just give us a little bit more background on AENC and your role there.
2: Great. I'd be happy to, Jeff. Uh, the Association of Executives of North Carolina is a, a great organization it has been around since 1955. Uh, and it's a pleasure to be serving as their CEO now. And for those not familiar, AENC is essentially, uh, the Association for Association Executives and Professionals in North Carolina. Um, we do a whole bunch of different things for our membership. Uh, primarily we create meaningful educational opportunities, uh, for our members. Uh, I think equally importantly, we create opportunities for our members to network with one another. Uh, we often find that the peer to peer relationship uh, and the development of those relationships is a key role that, that we play. Uh, and at the end of the day, what ANC is really about, it's about connecting people, connecting our members to each other, and also connecting them to educational content that just makes them better. Uh, and as I mentioned, we've been around uh, since 1955. Uh, with a great history and great tradition, and we're looking forward to carrying it forward into the uh, into the future. And my role, as you mentioned, I do serve as the CEO of ANC. Uh, I came on board in November. Um, so I'm in month five operations right now. Uh, and my responsibilities as CEO are pretty simple. I'm responsible for all the day-to-day operations of the business. But I think, Jeff, at the end of the day, what my job really is is to make sure that our membership is Thrilled with the experiences we create for them, for for better learning opportunities uh, and great peer engagement. So, at the end of the day, that's really what we do.
0: And so, as you were saying, you're pretty new to AEC, and if I understand correctly, you were what AEC refers to as an affiliate member prior to becoming CEO, and that means you know someone not at an association, but someone at a company uh, organization that provides services to associations. So, how has that background informed? how you approached the leadership role at AENC?
2: Yeah, no, great question. And and so having been an affiliate member for about five years, uh, I think created a great opportunity to first and foremost become passionate about the organization. Uh, my, my, prior to coming to AENC, I served as general manager at a great community in West North Carolina called uh, River Landing. Uh, we were a private club. We had golf courses and hotels and restaurants and all kinds of great stuff. So being a general manager of an operation of that size and being an affiliate uh, of AENC, it gave us a great opportunity to to really reach out to the AENC members and the association members in particular and really seek to understand what it was that, that their missions were and what they were trying to accomplish in their day-to-day activities. And as an affiliate member, our goal was very simply to try to bridge to their needs and make sure that we were part of a solution to solving some of the problems or challenges they had. So really understanding the association world from an affiliate's perspective, I think gave me kind of a, a 360 view of, of, of how the entire operation works. Mm. But at the end of the day, at River Landing, you know, we had about 250 employees, and I would say my role as general manager there was much to do about leading a group of employees uh, towards deeper levels of engagement uh, to uh, essentially accomplish our mission, which providing great member services, so I think that the very nature of that experience lent itself very well to ANC, but having been a member and having had a time to understand associations and having time to really appreciate and value what AENC brings to the table, it really made that transition very simple
0: and Now I have to imagine that uh, having stepped into this this leadership role at an association now since you know c is itself an association that uh, you've probably broadened and, and deepened your perspective on uh, associations. I, I'm wondering, you know, from, from your perspective, what are the most critical roles that associations play for society?
2: Yes, yeah, so associations play a sometimes a behind-the-scenes, but a very, very critical role in ways that a lot of people don't even fully understand. And I, so I appreciate the, the nature of that question. Essentially, associations... Uh, are a platform that is provided to unite people of similar trades or professions in a way that they can create a, a concerted platform for several different things. So when you bring together professionals or, or, or members of a trade uh, individually, their girth and ability to manage uh, broad scale, uh, sort of statewide or nationwide tasks is very is very limited. But together, their voice can be very loud. But I think in the in the unity of people uh, that participate in trades or professions, the couple things that they do which ultimately lead to the people that serve us in the community to do their jobs better, you know, associations have to play a role in educating their memberships. They have to play a role in creating networking opportunities so peer-to-peer people can learn from one another. People that have similar interests and backgrounds, experiences, and professions can learn from one another. And then, of course, there's a third arm of associations, which is Uh, providing legislative advocacy. So for example, if you were a dentist in the state of North Carolina, your ability to have legislative uh, impact is probably minimal by itself, but with an association uh, of of many dentists coming together, you have an opportunity to create bigger impact and have your individual voices heard more collectively. And then you have the opportunity to learn from one another and to build those peer networks. So uh, associations at the end of the day, they help the, the men and women, the professionals in our community who serve us every day, whether it's doctors or dentists or attorneys, associations just help them do their job better and help them grow uh, as professionals.
0: And so you've mentioned, you know, education as a part of, of what associations are, are doing. And um, I, I feel like, and I actually, I, I posed this question as well to um, to Scott Wiley, uh, who's the, uh, the chair of uh, ASAE, uh, the American Society of Association Executives. Um, it, it seems to me that associations play this critical but um, really almost unrecognized role as sort of a, uh, the, the, the heads of almost a third sector of education, um, you know, mm-hmm. that th- they're that critical, that, that, that they're that important. I mean, do you, do you feel like associations are fully recognized for that role they're playing in education and, and more broadly in lifelong learning, and, and how, might they, how might they be better recognized? How might they be more appreciated for what they're doing?
2: Yeah. So I think the membership of associations do recognize that. In fact, when we poll our membership and ask our association executives, what was the most important thing that ANC does for you? It was hands down across the board providing good educational content. Mm. So there's no doubt that the membership appreciated. Does the patient sitting in the waiting room at a dental office understand that that dentist belongs to the dental society and therefore they learn how to be better practitioners in their community? Probably not, but that's okay. And that's the the behind-the-scenes role that associations play. But I would sort of dovetail to a a segue to another kind of answer to that question, and that's lifelong learning in associations and for association members. Jeff, it's just simply not a luxury anymore. It's not something that we can opt into or opt out of. If we we as professionals and associations want to stay relevant, we have to commit, not just do, but commit to – lifelong learning and it's got to be something that is a strategic part of our success when typically when CEOs of associations get together and we do have bi-monthly uh, meetings for a c CEOs and at these luncheons we often talk about the topics that we're excited about the things that scare us and one thing Jeff that unilaterally most CEOs would tell you that's a threat or a fear to our business that we all stay awake and night thinking about is how do we stay relevant in the marketplace? Mm-hmm. People have a choice of how they spend their money. And what associations have to do and what AENC has to do is we have to continue providing content, educational opportunities, in a way that they can't, people can't get in other ways. So being that provider, for an association, it's imperative. For an association executive, it's not a luxury. You have to learn, or you're going to become irrelevant over time. You know, I think a good example would be, if you look at innovation, and in general, in general speak, in innovation in the marketplace, it is moving at a staggering pace. I mean, for example, if you think back to when most people have heard fringes of the story, but back in 1973, Motorola came out and invented uh, the first cell phone. And they came out and said, hey, here's the first cell phone. They demonstrated it. Jeff, it wasn't for 10 more years until they actually brought that cell phone to market. So that innovative process took 10 years to bring generation one of their product to market. Fast forward to a couple years ago, 2007, the iPhone comes to market. Ten years later, we have we are in the seventh generation of the iPhone. So the speed of innovation, the desire to be relevant and, and, and be applicable and relevant to marketplace is such that innovation is moving at a lightning pace. So either as associations, we stay with that, we embrace that and keep on providing relative meaningful education opportunities in ways that can be received appropriately by our membership or we we run the risk of becoming irrelevant so all that to say lifelong learning is no longer a luxury it's absolutely something that's imperative to our business
0: Definitely. I mean, uh, certainly, certainly a point that uh, that I agree with. And so, I mean, specifically, then, what what are some of the approaches that uh, A, E, and C has has taken to to try to spark lifelong learning, to try to support uh, lifelong learning? I mean, what are you actively doing with your membership, and maybe even beyond your your, your membership, to, to to help people meet that challenge?
2: Well, the the, the first thing we're doing, Jeff, is. We, we have really, as an organization, from the board leadership at AENC through the ANC staff, we have embraced the concept of innovation. And everyone mm. talks about innovation, but we really, as a group, embraced the concept of saying we know that providing educational content is, is critical and salient to our association members. So then you start with that premise, and we've said, how can we innovate for a changing time to make sure that what we're doing tomorrow is as relevant as it, as what we did yesterday was. So, for example, when we surveyed our members, we realized that our membership, although they like hearing folks lecture uh, lecture from uh, the lectern, they really prefer a panel type of discussion hmm. uh, when we're face to face. So, the interactive, the engagement. Uh, uh, this uh, this July at our annual conference, we're going to uh, explore doing some some uh, sessions and more of a fishbowl type of format where. You have a content expert that sits in the middle of the room, and around that room will be members that will kind of ask questions and dialogue with one another and back and forth with the presenter, the topic expert. So just trying to create different ways, kind of innovative, new, thoughtful ways of taking what we would like to teach and and instill it upon our membership. You know, some things that we're we're working on right now in, in terms of additional modes of delivery... Um, we are working, and in, in fact, this summer we will be coming out with the first uh, AMC mobile app. Hmm. And part of that mobile app will have an opportunity for live streaming content from uh, video presentations, from presentations that are being done live. So if you can't attend a presentation, you can watch it live. It will be stored. The written content will be searchable on that mobile app. So we're trying to figure out ways to embrace all of our members and create those right opportunities for them to learn. One of the challenges, not unique to ANC, is that we have members in their 20s, and we have members in their 70s. So when you look at nearly a, or sometimes exactly a half of a century of difference, demographically speaking, we have to understand that some of those folks still read newspapers, and some of those folks maybe have never picked up a newspaper. So how do we take our content, and how do we deliver it in ways that are innovative, in that even though we look at yesterday and say that all worked, Moving forward, how do we make sure that we're taking the content we need to teach and deliver in ways that our that our membership wants? You know, some things that are working. I would tell you that the the thing that's working the best for AENC is that that we are listening to our members. Where we've asked them, "What do you want to learn about?" But then more so, how do you want that education delivered? And we're we're hearing that again. Example with the millennials. We have a bunch of millennials that are now providing leadership and associations. So for them, uh, we're trying to understand exactly what can we do to be of good value for them. A good example at ANC is we have a group called Fuel. Fuel is our under 40-year-old association of professionals. Uh, Now, that group is made up of folks that are not only up-and-coming leaders. They are leaders of today. So we work with them very kind of hand-in-hand to make sure we've got the content and the delivery that makes sense for them while also trying to maintain relevancy for not for everybody else. And, you know, I think along with that, the, uh, the one thing we've abandoned, I guess, almost if you will. um, So, so what's working is we're, we're engaging and we're listening and we're trying to understand how to deliver content the right way to uh, the masses of our membership. But I'll tell you, Jeff, there's one thing that we have sort of abandoned or almost divorced ourselves from. And that's the, the concept of, the, you know, quote-unquote, that's the way it's always been done, or A&C has always done it this way, or associations have always taught in this manner. Uh, We want to make sure we honor the past and all those that came before us. Uh, We want to make sure we're keeping true to the vision that our board has laid out for us, but we also want to make sure that we are creating the future and not being stuck in the past. Honor the past, but continue to move forward. So we're just simply no longer allowing the dialogue to occur of, uh, we've always done it that way, so we have to keep on doing it. We're pushing the envelope.
0: Right, right. So uh, you've talked a lot about uh, innovation you know, as uh, part of this uh, conversation. Uh, I mean, moving forward, what, what do you feel is the, the, the biggest innovation that uh, A&C has on its horizon? I mean, what, what are you going to be introducing uh, for, for members that uh, is really going to knock their socks off?
2: Well, I think there's a couple of things that will be coming soon that will be introduced. Um, and as I mentioned briefly, this summer uh, we'll be introducing the ANC mobile app. Mm-hmm. Just a different way for folks to get information. Uh, even those folks that may say, hey, I don't really use apps, uh, when you go to your phone and use MapQuest or you go to your phone and look for a restaurant, you are using, in fact, mobile technology. So we're taking what's available out there and putting all of our educational content on it so it's searchable, keyword searchable. So we're trying to do things like that that are uses of, of technology. Uh, but one of the things that we're, we're really excited about Beyond that is we're looking a little bit differently about how we're going to be doing our conferences in the future, and the conference will be more geared towards, you know, intense amounts of relevant educational content, fewer number of events, but more focused events, and creating more opportunities for peer to peer networking, which is a lot of times where some really good learning occurs too.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But I think if I the to point to two things, Jeff, that you know we're we're excited about coming down the road. One is sort of ideologically or concept that AENC is, is going to be pushing harder and harder into the realm of we want to be an incubator for new ideas. And by that, I mean we are the association for associations. And, and most of my, my peers would say the worst thing you can do in association is you don't want to make mistakes. So as an association for associations, we can be the one who are trying new things. For example, like that mobile, that mobile app. We're going to try it. We're going to roll it out. We're going to beta test, do all things we need to do. But hopefully at the end of the day, we want to create a new solution for associations that allows all of our members to take it back to their associations. Or if they're an affiliate member, take it back to their companies and be able to use that technology they've learned from us to better their organizations. So if we can be that incubator and germinate new ideas and, and grow those ideas, hopefully that will be a benefit that we can provide those thoughts and ideas back to our membership. And I think the, the second thing is more of a morph an evolution of a concept. AEMC, really, at the end of the day, uh, we want to play an increasingly important role going forward of being great connectors. It's, uh, you know, as mentioned earlier, it's connecting our members with education in a way that's meaningful and, and content is meaningful but it's also connecting people. So in that way, A&C doesn't need to be in the foreground. We just want to make sure that we are connecting affiliates with association executives, association execs with their peers and with content that's relevant, meaningful for them. So if we can be the incubator of ideas and share them and then step in the background and be a connector of people to others and the content. I think that really creates a very nice evolutionary process of where A&Cs come from and where we want to go.
0: I like that incubation and connection. I think that's a a great role for uh, an association of associations, as you put it, uh, to to be playing. Now you're obviously somebody you know who has a lot of ideas, and you know you're bringing these ideas to the role at uh, AENC. And I'm wondering, you know, as a leader, um, I mean, who are some of the other leaders or even organizations that that you've been inspired by, particularly around these ideas, you know, like around innovation uh, that, that you're talking about? Uh, who who have you looked to, and, and why?
2: Yeah, well, that, that's a super, super question, and I'm happy to answer that. Uh, you know, I think there's there's inspiration that is sort of from the shoulders up. It's the heady type of inspiration uh, that, that I've been fortunate and blessed to receive over the years. But there's also, you know, maybe even more impactful or powerful is kind of the, the next uh, six inches below the shoulders, which is the heart, and, mm. and kind of a, a heartfelt uh, inspiration. You know, I would say from starting more with the heart and, and certainly from a nonprofit world, Uh, There's an organization called Hope for the Warriors, and uh, uh, the CEO of Hope for the Warriors is a wonderful, wonderful lady and a good friend by the name of Robin Kelleher. Robin was one of those people who had a spouse that was serving uh, in the military, and one of her good friends had a a spouse serving, and that friend's husband got injured in combat, and so Robin and her friend in the basement of the house start up a nonprofit uh, back in, I believe it was 2006 or 2007. They start this nonprofit in their basement. And now it's, it's a nationally known organization that provides great support to wounded servicemen and women uh, and their families. So Born Out of Need uh, with two people of amazing heart and passion came something where this past year they provided over 10,000 services uh, to family members and servicemen and women. So I love those ideas of just passion. You see need and you go to seek and solve a problem. I think Robin and her team are just great inspirational uh, sources for a lot of people. When it comes to kind of the, the more the heady stuff, the for-profit world, I guess, um, you know, I, I've I spent a lot of time reading. And, and one person I have been inspired and found myself quoting quite a bit is the founder of Amazon. Uh, his name is Jeff Bezos. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Jeff Bezos has done a an amazing job growing a company. And, and while, you know, certainly it's easy to be impressed by the fact that his market cap is top $405 billion dollars, What's really cool about Jeff Bezos, and I think the deep learning for him is, if you really take care of your customer, you can have really good success. You know, and Bezos will say things like, um, customer service is for everybody else. What we do at Amazon is we obsess over our customers. And when you really sit back and think about it, what does that mean? And then in a lot of his writings he'll talk about in, in team meetings, he will leave one empty chair at, at a board table. And he'll say, that's our member our customer right there. And if this solution doesn't fit them perfectly, we're not gonna do it. So having that member that level of customer centricity in our world it would be member centricity, but that real deep level of customer centricity really does lead to tremendous financial results. So I like what he's done and Grill Matt certainly has acquired Zappos and uh you know, we're big fans of Zappos as well and a the service they provide. So from a for profit kind of heady, how the, the business world connects, I think he's amazing. And I, I I'd be remiss, you know, without one of the person as a, as an old jock, my uh, you know my, my playing days. One of the the people that I always looked to and thought was just a very inspirational leader was one of the great football coaches of all time, Vince Lombardi. And the thing about Vince, and everyone knows Vince because his name is on a trophy for the NFL uh, Super Bowl of uh, the championship. And so people kind of generally know the name. But what I love about Vince Lombardi is the stories after stories about how he took people and developed talent. Into leadership and into greatness. You know, one example was back in uh, I think it was 1958. What a lot of people don't know today, because the Green Bay Packers are so good. 1958 Green Bay Packers were one ten and one. They were hor- they were like the laughingstock in the NFL. And Vince Lombardi takes over, goes on to start winning year after year, uh, wins a bunch of Super Bowls. But what people don't know is in that first year that he took over, even though they were horrible one ten and one, they had five future Hall of Famers on that team. So it wasn't, though, he just inherited a bunch of superstars. He took a bunch of talent that he recognized and developed them. And the parallel in businesses, you know, it's our job as leaders to identify talent and then to invest in those people, to give all hearts to them and teach them as we've been taught and provide opportunities and gateways and pathways for them to be successful. And Vince Lombardi has done that, you know, just, uh, just wonderfully.
0: Well, and if you put your put yourself in, in that sort of role, you know, as somebody who has now uh, achieved quite a bit as a leader, and obviously is you know continuing to achieve as a leader, uh, and you become that uh, that teacher, that that person giving some advice. Um, I mean, what's what's the main piece of advice you would want to give to a to a young to an aspiring leader coming up in in, in the world these days?
2: Yeah, another great question, Jeff. And you know the. I guess I have been, you know, fortunate again to and blessed to be to to be the recipient of of a lot of good advice over the years and, and things that I've taken to heart. And I would say at the at the kind of the pinnacle or the the if I was to consolidate all the good advice together in, into a synopsis, I would say that good leaders are people or great leaders are people that surround themselves with great people, people that are hungry, people that are intelligent or want to learn, which is probably more important, and people that have a lot of heart and a lot of passion. So great leaders surround themselves with great people, and they're not afraid or intimidated by great people. They surround themselves with those people. And with the right minds and right hearts, you can can move mountains. Um, And I think once you get that right team together, then what you have to do is, as they need coaching, coach them. Uh, I'll provide feedback to them. Uh certainly if you've got to praise them, do it publicly and make them feel great about their accomplishment. If they need if their discipline required, you do it in private so as not to embarrass but to create a teachable moment. But if a great leader brings great people onto the team, teach them, train them, coach them and then get out of the way. Let them do their job uh, and be supportive. And being supportive doesn't just mean a pat in the back when you win. It means when you fail, you pick them up. And he does some off and he you, you know, we did this together and we're not going to make the same mistake again, but we're going to move forward and we're going to do it together as a team. You know, I'm fortunate at, at AENC, I've got a, uh, a small team, a team of three. There's only three of us, but they are, to, in addition to myself, the, the two ladies in our office, are two of the hardest working, uh, smartest, most passionate, awesome people that I could ever want to be around. And I often find myself in a position of saying, Rich, just Stay out of the way and don't mess it up. These are, these are thoroughbreds who who just have so much heart and passion and commitment. Um, my job is to remove their barriers and let them run. Uh, and I think that's what good leaders do. Conversely, you know, I think I've, I've uh, maybe witnessed or observed some negative aspects of leadership. And again, maybe more than advice, bad advice, one of my negative observations about leaders kind of goes along with that same sentiment Too often, leaders are out there telling their people they want them to be passionate and work hard and be committed to their customers or the members, but they don't have that same passion themselves. Mm. And if you don't have that passion, if you're not willing to lock arms with your team and be out front of your leaders, you understand if the bullet comes, you're going to take it first because you're the leader and that's what you do. And When the praise comes, you put your people ahead of you and you let them receive the praise. But as a leader, you've got to be out front be the first one willing to go into that burning building, and then hopefully your team will come with you. That's what leadership is. But but apathy uh, or or lack of passion is probably the downfall of a lot of otherwise very intelligent people who don't have long term success. They just don't have the fire burning in their heart.
0: And that's, I think that's probably a great segue to um, uh, my, my next to last question for you. And it's one that uh, we like to ask everybody who comes on to the, the Leading Learning podcast. I mean, you're talking about, you know, taking risk as a leader, being willing to, to put your neck out there, basically doing what it takes to, to learn meaningfully. And so, you know, I wanted to ask you, what are some of your own lifelong learning habits and practices, the things you do to make sure you're, you know, staying sharp, taking some risk where you need to, and, and really learning what you need to, 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 to succeed?
2: Sure, sure. Well, one of the, the practices that, that I, I would say has has been pretty fundamental to, to my learning for a number of years has been that I am a voracious learner. I'm a voracious reader. I, I love to read everything that I can read, whether it's online or in print, or if it's from the left wing or the right wing or the center wing, or uh, if it's people that I agree with or disagree with, I like to read everything. I like to read stuff inside of the industry, things outside of the industry, uh, new legislation coming, whatever it is. I want to be a voracious reader and just absorb everything. And then you kind of filter through and figure out what are elements and things that make sense, uh, what are things you can use, uh, or what are things that you've learned but you'd rather just not use. So I think being ultra committed, almost hyper committed to learning and and finding out the mechanisms of of how you learn best is key. You know, I think back when when I was in my twenties, I I didn't really know very much, and but I kind of knew I didn't know very much, and that was fine. I was in my twenties, and then you get to your thirties, and I remember thinking, "Gosh, I know everything in the world, and <laughs> I deserve to be in those boardrooms." And I just I know everything, and then all of a sudden I got to my forties, and I'm in my mid forties now, and so I get to my forties, and and it's sort of like the realization occurs that I know more now than I ever have known in my life. Yet the biggest thing I know is I don't know nearly as much as I want to. And so that appetite for learning and growing just has, has continued to be a fire that burns inside of me. So I think having a desire, reaching out to as many people, not just people that you know you agree with or literature that you know you agree with, but really absorbing and having your mind open to all points of view leads you to want to listen to podcasts make you want to read newspapers, read online stuff, read journals in your industry, it, that appetite becomes becomes consuming, but it also helps you really push forward and be better for your team and your members.
0: Well, and that really does seem to be a fundamental commonality among the people that we talk to on the Leading Learning Podcast, that uh, they are all motivated, even passionate to consume content, experiences from a a wide range of of sources and and really leverage those for learning. So thank you for sharing that perspective with uh, our our listeners here.
2: Well, Jeff, I appreciate your taking time and interest in AENC and as a member, I appreciate your membership with us. And if anyone would like to learn more about us, I would certainly encourage you to go out to our website, which is uh, www.aencnet.org, or I'd welcome any and all phone calls from anybody that would like to talk about what we're doing or have questions or if there's a way we can support you, I'd certainly welcome those calls, and I'd be happy to give you my direct dial phone number, uh, which is 910-271-3576. And again, welcome any calls from anybody. But, Jeff, again, I appreciate your time today, and thank you for your interest in ANC.
1: That wraps up the interview with Rich Fanoff. As we're exiting, we want to say thanks again to Castle, a full-service certification and licensure testing company that also offers its clients a variety of learning solutions capabilities. You can find out more about Castle's custom learning solutions by going to leadinglearning.com castle We also want to mention again that recordings from Learning Technology Design, or LTD for short... Um, are now available. That was a virtual conference specifically for professionals in the business of continuing education and professional development. And you can get access to all the great sessions held at the live online event by signing up at ltd.leadinglearning.com.
0: To get show notes for this episode, just go to leadinglearning.com episode 77. And while you're there, you'll also see the various options for subscribing to the podcast. And if you're getting value out of the podcast, we really would be grateful if you would subscribe.
1: We would also be grateful if you'd take just a minute to give us a rating on iTunes. And to do that, you can go to leadinglearning.com slash iTunes. We really appreciate it, and it makes it much, much easier for others to find the podcast.
0: Finally, be sure to consider telling others about the podcast. You can send out a tweet simply by going to leadinglearning.com slash share. Or if tweeting isn't something you like to do, you can take the language there and put it into any other social network of your choice. It might be LinkedIn, it might be Facebook, but whatever it is, please help spread the word about the Leading Learning Podcast.
1: Thanks again, and we'll see you next time on the Leading Learning Podcast.